You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Regent College Podcast. I'm your host and friendly neighborhood podcast producer, Andrew Wilson. I'm joined today by Diane Bermans and Josh Coots. Diane is a campus pastor with University Christian Ministries at UBC, and Josh Coots is a lecturer of New Testament at Regent College. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So, Diane, why don't we begin with you and talk a little bit about uh, what is University Christian Ministries? What is University Christian Ministries? We are a discipleship community on campus, and that's our big focus. We build community, we create hospitable spaces for the students, and we walk alongside them through their years at UBC. So you could have students who are like, join you in their first year and continue into their second, third, and fourth. Yeah, so they come in at any point, really. Um, A lot of the students come in through their first year, but then we'd have students come in in their second or third or even final years. And we also have international students and exchange students come in and, and spend time with us as well. So let's say I'm a student and I'm new at UBC and I just got into engineering. How would I get connected with University Christian Ministries? Um, surprisingly, a lot of people find us through our website. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, we're very technologically advanced, I Great. guess, these days. So they find us through there. Um, and we also have club stays. So we have booths as well and, and a lot of word of mouth. Um, a lot of people look up Christian clubs at the UBC campus, and so um, they find us and the other uh, other Christian campuses and clubs as well at, at UBC. So part of the work that you do is like lead prayer meetings, Bible studies perhaps, maybe organize some speakers for the students? Yes. So the way that we organize ourselves is that once a week during the school year, uh, we have our big group gatherings. So um, on Thursday nights, we meet at a lecture hall at UBC, and we have prayer, we have worship. Um, And one of the unique things that we have is that we have student testimonies. And so they share about um, how they encountered Christ, or they share about an insight or their journey with, with Jesus on campus, and it builds faith and increases. Um, yeah, I think with the students, it just encourages them being on a secular campus. Um, and as well as that, we also have Bible studies through the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we gather together as students. And yeah. So. How do you prepare for those things like Bible studies? Do you- yeah, so um, for example, this year we went through the Gospel of Luke. Um, and we were using N.T. Wright's guide for that, um, Luke for Everyone. <laughs> and so, Great. yeah, and, and we also have, um, we call them core huddles, so we call our small groups cores. Um, and the way that we do things is that we prepare our leaders by, um, yeah, um, walking alongside them at the beginning of the year, but also once a month gathering as, as little huddle groups so that we can talk about how the small groups are going mm-hmm. and really walking alongside them. And we also have one-on-ones and discuss h- about how their lives are going, but also how their studies are going with the students. Great. Josh, you gave a talk recently about discipleship in John at a church in Vancouver. Um, I'm interested to see what sorts of things you've discovered about discipleship by studying the book of John and just sketch an overview of how the disciples worked within the context of John's gospel and some things that we can learn about discipleship for us today. Mm. Yeah, well, John's gospel is um, not the first text we would think of, perhaps in the New Testament, we think of discipleship. We tend to go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which have Jesus discussing um, or inviting people to follow him, come follow me, which is sort of the discipleship language that we're comfortable with or that we're used to. Uh, John, however, I think has a lot to say about discipleship, but in his own... um, unique way um, for 
for John, I think one of the one of the things that Jesus says, of course, in in Mark and Matthew and Luke, is you deny yourself, right. take up your cross, and and then you follow me. So it's kind of two corresponding pieces to discipleship. And John has a sort of a corollary way of saying um, a similar thing, but in a um, more subtle way. So there's, there's important ground clearing in John's gospel. Okay. Um, in that discipleship first means recognizing who I am not. Um, Interesting. And that discipleship means reorienting myself to who Jesus is. And when I know who mm-hmm. he is, I know correspondingly who I am not. Um, so, you know, just to give an example, you know, some of the, the, the religious leaders in John's gospel are, John characterizes them as being very concerned with their own status, their, their glory, uh, acquiring the praise of people around them. And Nicodemus is an example of, right. of one of those. And that's why he comes to Jesus by night, because he's mm-hmm. more concerned about his reputation than about, mm-hmm. he actually wants to learn something from Jesus, but he's not really prepared to be a disciple. Right. And Jesus puts his finger on the point of need you know, with Nicodemus mm-hmm. and he says, you're the great teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things, which would be really kind of subversion of Nicodemus, what is at the core of his identity. Right. But his Nicodem- association with like the religious leaders of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And so recognizing that Jesus and Jesus alone is say the light of the world or the lamb who takes away the sin of the world means that I am not the light of the world, <laughs> right. that I'm not the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not all these things. Um, so in contrast to Nicodemus, say John the Baptist really gets that. And John the Baptist is characterized primarily as one who bears witness to Jesus. Points to him. Points to Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's an extra exemplary um, figure in John for that reason. So that's kind of initial ground clearing that happens in John. Knowing yeah. who he is means knowing who who I am not. And that's just a starting point, <coughs> you know, um, sure. in John. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots more I could I could say about that. Um, I mean, Jesus. Um, I think another kind of key dimension moving on from that is that um, recognizing uh, who Jesus is um, in John. Part of what's core to Jesus' identity is that he is in the Father. Uh, he abides in, in the Father. He comes from the Father. He returns to the Father. And that's uh, kind of a key way that John defines discipleship. So okay. to be a disciple is you are being like Jesus in that respect, mm-hmm. that my whole identity and, and source of myself uh, is outside of myself. Um, as the Father, as Jesus abides in the Father, so disciples are invited to abide in Jesus. So that's the right. primary kind of paradigm for discipleship in John's gospel: is that you, your whole self, is embedded in Jesus mm-hmm. in a relationship with Him. So when Jesus says, "You know, I'm the vine; you are the branches. Abide in me, or you cannot bear any fruit." That's right. the key kind of dynamic for discipleship in John. There's an interesting mm-hmm. practice in my church. After I got baptized. Um, the, my youth pastor who baptized me attached me to a mentor in the church, an older guy. He'd been a Christian for 30 plus years. And he said, mm. you're going to meet with him and learn what it is to live like Jesus, even if you don't want to. So like <laughs> as a, I was 16 when I was baptized and I was just, I had become a Christian like a few months before. Um, and my first encounter with the gospel was in the midst of baptism classes is when we dive deep into what it means to really, it actually makes sense within like the context of um, was it Nicodemus who uh, Jesus told, okay, you need to be born again. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I thought, okay, normally coming to church and what I perceived as the gospel was if I accept Jesus Christ into my life and I, I do all these right things and kind of conform myself to practices of the church, it's like, well, I'll just I'll go to heaven. Hmm. someday and then there's no like moral constraints there's no hmm. things that there was nothing transformative about my understanding of the gospel but in the midst of of those baptism classes and after i got baptized and after i started meeting with a man who had been a christian for a number of years and he said well maybe becoming a christian is, is one of the hardest things you'll ever do hmm. because it, it means transform it means a, a kind of transformation where you're you have to rethink everything you thought before. I never thought about like, well, I think that sometimes in like in North American churches or in the West, especially it's like Jesus Christ is something that it's an addition to my current lifestyle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll just accept Jesus and I'll just, I'll attend church on Sundays and then the other six days of the week, then I'll, I'll do something entirely different. And what struck me about what you're saying about John, it's like, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. So it's not, I'm, my attachment to Jesus isn't mediated by somebody else. It isn't mediated by a mentor. It isn't mediated by somebody who's discipling me. But to get, like, what I found in those meetings with my mentor, who I talk to occasionally still, so I found, okay, I don't have everything figured out. My mentor would, would sit down, and that was one of the first things he said. He was like, if you came here for answers, then you're not really going to get a lot of that. Um, we're trying to figure out part of the mystery of what it means to be conformed into the image of Jesus together. And that was really great for me because what I thought leadership was about and what I thought discipleship was about is I'll attach myself, sorry, <laughs> I'll attach myself to somebody mm. and then I'll just learn from them, I'll conform to their pattern mm. so that I can be a better disciple. Yeah, this we have a, a a problematic relationship with knowledge in our sort of modern Western context <laughs> that, you know, we see um, everything, including people around us as sort of in utilitarian terms, sort of as a source of knowledge yeah. or a means to some other end. Uh, that's a brilliant move on your mentor's part to say, I'm not going to give you all the answers necessarily, but come with me. We'll do life together. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we are tempted to do a similar thing with Jesus. Um, that we come to him for something he can give us right. or something mm, he yeah. can tell us or some sort of list of things that we should go and do by ourselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the first moment in discipleship in John's gospel, uh, John the Baptist points the way to Jesus and a couple of his disciples right. uh, follow, follow Jesus. And they say, you know, where are you staying? tonight where are you in, in literally in the Greek is it where are you abiding okay um, oh, and John hmm. or sorry Jesus replies um, not with oh I'm staying you know two blocks down the left uh, <laughs> this house over here sure. he doesn't give them a list of details or information he says um, come and you will see mm -hmm. which is a profound response that the, the response entails relationship mm -hmm. Right. right. It was what your mentor is saying to you. Yeah. Come and be with me. Spend time with me. Watch me. And then you will see. Rather than giving them a list of things that they could go off and do or right. some information. Uh, and that's the, that's the, at the heart of discipleship. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's and not like discipleship was like a project to be, you can tackle this. You're doing your homework. Like read these verses and memorize scripture and, and practice these things. And like, oh, and then maybe someday you'll be like me. But that's not the point. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the call to abide in Christ. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I find that in the mentor-mentee relationship, you could have it as, you know, you are my mentee, come and follow me and mm-hmm. do the things I right. do. I don't know. Um, and it could be that kind of a relationship. But what we're called to do as both mentor and mentee is to abide in Christ and to be apprentices of Christ. And I think a mentor does a good job when they point to Jesus right. and are quite um, humble, I'd say, like when it comes to their own flaws and their own shortcomings and, and in their honesty of their walk with Jesus, you know, that they don't have all the answers. Maybe right. they're a few years ahead, um, maybe in years or in sure, following yeah. Jesus. Um, but I find that it is that uh, call to abide in Christ and, and, and pointing to Jesus and, and leading people to Christ mm-hmm. in, in that way. And, and again, with, with John the Baptist, I love that, that you know, um, that he had these mentees in a way. Um, but as soon as Jesus arrived, he's like, he allowed them to go and, and, and they followed him. And I think that's beautiful. And I think in discipleship, um, we have to remember that the root word of discipleship or, you know, that it is an apprenticeship. And it's, um, mm. it, is, it is learning from a teacher and the teacher is Christ. Um, and, and really rooting ourselves in that truth. Right. Mm. When in... I finished up my internship recently for my undergraduate studies, and and there was a guy I got pretty close with who became a mentor, and he preached one day, and then we were talking in the midst of the week because in in this um, in this ministry it was primarily a homeless ministry uh, where people living on the street in the poorest areas of, of Saskatoon would come by, and they would just want to spend time and be known by other people because they had access to services to like food and water and clothing and then even some housing on occasion um and i asked my friend well what's the point of you preaching and he said the point of me preaching is to help lead people to the feet of jesus christ Hmm. and that there's in mary and martha when mary is there and she's i keep getting it confused martha's the one that's running around That's and right. her attention is divided and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Her attention is fixed there. And that was a symbolic action to sit at the feet of somebody mm. to say, you're, you're the person that I'm aligning myself with. Mm-hmm. I'm being taught by you. And normally like back in that day, it was a status thing to, okay, I'm going to find the best rabbi. I'm going to sit mm-hmm. at his feet and I'm going to try to learn from him as best as I can. So I can, there might be some good intentions like involved there, but it also might be if I align myself with this particular rabbi, then I can join this elite group of people. But it wasn't, it wasn't that way for, for my friend who was preaching. Hmm. It's, you don't come to hear me preach to hear me, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to point you towards the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And that was, that was enormous because when I, I, well, I've only been a Christian for, you know, seven or eight years by this point. Um, and I was thinking about, okay, so go to the church and we like, we receive like the preaching, like as a package, as like some kind of information to like, to unpack when I get home during the week, like, let's, let's apply this. But if I thought about preaching as like orientation towards Jesus, every time that I'm sitting and listening to the message, then that's entirely different. Then we're all like the whole church is being points towards the same person. And then in the midst of weeks, that you have with students, Diane, it's like um, in Bible study and in conversations and in like 
you pray with people like in Regent's Atrium all the time. <laughs> and if I think it's it's great to see that there's there's that's happening, that other students are gonna be able to come in to Regent and even if they haven't taken a class or even listened to any of the lecturers or professors, they can always they can also be pointed towards Jesus. There's a great uh tradition in sort of older pulpits in churches who sometimes have inscribed or in sort of a placard um, on the on the front of the pulpit that only the preacher would see a line from John's gospel actually sir we would see Jesus mm. which mm, wow. is what the Greeks say to Andrew when in mm. John chapter 12 um, they say sir we would see Jesus and Andrew brings them to Jesus it's the, the, the only thing that Andrew does in the gospel <laughs> he's constantly bringing people to Jesus wow. yeah. Um, but it's a great it's a great reminder to the preacher that right. what you're here for is not to be heard, but to point the way to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and John the Baptist understands that. Mm-hmm. You know, in John three, um, he's told all those people who used to be interested in what you were saying, they're all going over to Jesus. And John the Baptist has a has a opportunity there either to sort of grate inwardly at the <laughs> sure. loss of disciples, yeah, or to celebrate the fact that his role has been. Um, he's, he's lived into his role fully. And he mm-hmm. recognizes that who he is fundamentally is as a witness to Jesus. And so his response is, he must increase and right. I must decrease. That's actually the whole point of me being here, <laughs> is to point beyond right. myself. Yeah. There was, um, there's a thing called the Menno Simon Center for Discipleship. It's mm-hmm. not too far away from Regent. Um, and they had a conference on emerging adulthood recently and a professor of mine from uh bethany bible college back in hepburn saskatchewan was there giving most of the talks um and there was an older man in the church who'd been attending for a long time so menno simon center also has a church that gathers every sunday Mm -hmm. uh and this guy was like 85 years old and he's like well what do we say to youth like what's the point of youth ministry and he didn't really like get a complete answer or the kind of answer he wanted at the time. And then we were sitting down uh, to dinner afterwards and Gil and I were talking and, and we kind of landed on this, this one phrase. We're just trying to help youth make sense of being a Christian in today's world. And there's so much wrapped into that. It's like, we're not giving youth all the answers for how to tackle the problems in today's world or giving youth like a program or a model or something, but trying to help them make sense of being a Christian was kind of some of the feedback that I got from my mm. mentor. And occasionally my, my youth pastor would come in and, and ask how things were going. It's like, we got a lot of questions. We're trying to figure things out or wrestling with God. But we thought at the end of some of those conversations, isn't that the model of scripture? Like not even in the, the context of John's gospel, but like with, um, I'm forgetting his name here. Jacob wrestled with God, Mm -hmm. uh, was disobedient for a long period of his life, but then eventually became the father of Israel. But uh, scripture is marked by people trying to make sense of God's teachings in the midst of their struggles and joys and and different decisions they make in their life. And I think it's especially hard for for a student at a place like UBC, which Mm -hmm. is enormous, to not only be known by somebody to find some kind of community but also like to be heard to find some stability and there's there's a number of degree options at UBC there's a number of programs available there's like there's even like social clubs and and student councils and things but um 
they don't offer what John the Baptist is pointing to. They don't offer the like what they do offer our, our programs and, and friendships certainly, but um, something I've learned even in the context of my time at Regent is there's a lot of people here who are always have had my back. But in the midst of that, they say, you know, sometimes I'm going to let you down. And some of the stability that you're looking for, some of the stability that students are perhaps looking for is, is not to be found in this like horizontal relationship. But if you're both trying to point towards Jesus, we're both trying to make sense of, of what he's calling us to and what he's teaching, then all the stability they're looking for is ultimately found in Jesus, which is, mm-hmm. sounds like a nice answer, but in the midst, like, yeah. it's so, it's difficult in a place where it, there's a myriad of beliefs. Yeah. There's um, one of the kind of corresponding points to something I mentioned earlier in that knowing who Jesus is no, means knowing who I'm not. A uh, corresponding point to that is knowing who Jesus is means knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, we are in our culture and our society trying to carve out an identity or a dependency for ourselves in all kinds of ways, whether it's through status or through relationships or right. through material possessions or having degrees on my wall or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I know that Jesus is um, the Son of God who, um, through, through whom, you know, as, as John says in, in John 1, um, 10 through 12, those who believe in his name are given the right to become children of God, um, and that he is the bridegroom, and correspondingly, by being connected to him, I am the bride, right. um, or that he is... Um, the shepherd, the good shepherd, then correspondingly I am sheep. All of these categories, being children of God or being a bride, bride or being sheep, these are um, labels or identity markers that define me as dependent on and included in something bigger than myself. Right. Um, that I'm fundamentally dependent, I'm created, I respond to one who invites me. Um, and secondly, you know, that Jesus comes um, as the one who's sent from the Father who who loves the world, that he's an expression of God's love, um, and that he is the vine, therefore I am a branch, you know, plugged into him, or uh, mm-hmm. that he is um, the resurrection, therefore I am alive. That I'm, I'm dependent on, on him, but also profoundly loved by God. And these right. are two huge needs for people in our, in our society to find stability and to know that there's meaning and value to who they are. And you find those two things rooted um, in Christ. In John's Gospel, mm-hmm. so one of the characters in John who is, I think, John intends us to understand as kind of an ideal disciple, you know, one that we should aspire to be, um, is not named. He is called in John's Gospel the beloved disciple, the disciple who Jesus loved, and that's the first kind of thing we know about him right. is that he is loved by Jesus. Now, what a wonderful thing to rest and abide in. (laughs) The first thing about you is that you are loved by God um, because of Jesus and the the corresponding invitation to abide in that and to abide in him. The sort of corresponding points of of being loved and and that I'm dependent. Um, These are big needs in our culture and we're we're scrambling to fill them, satiate them in all kinds of ways. Right. Um, But John is relentlessly um, arresting our attention uh, uh, focusing our attention on, on Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that he's not named throughout, mm. um, as if that that's not even important. Yep. The most important thing is that he's the beloved of Christ. That's right. Yeah, know? and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, friends, this has been wonderful. Uh, we ran out of time, unfortunately. Um, thank you both for being here. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net. Mm-hmm.